This is a Soulfire production. What is up? We're wandering again. We're back. We got some fun stuff today. Some fun stuff today. I've been so inundated, inundated with news and I'm actually really bummed because when it comes to creating content, Joe Biden is a fucking gold mine and he's just been hiding in his basement. (laughs) Just hiding in his basement, doing the best he can to just not die, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck that nerd's doing, but it is, uh, it's not helping me out any. I can tell you that right now. He hasn't, he hasn't moved, uh, moved me along towards voting for him. That's for goddamn sure. But yeah, we've got a few things today. We've got, uh, you know, last week we brought up this, this, this police officer who was criticizing, uh, people being arrested and cited for things that were, uh, you know, constitutional rights. And, We'll give you an update on him. He's come up with some new stuff, and I think I think he's going to be fine. But we'll we'll get into some uh, some of that goodness. We're going to play a Trump ad that is attacking Joe Biden, which is pretty pretty interesting. We're going to talk about lobbyists getting stimulus money, which is also interesting. We got white privilege, of course, is going to be a topic, and we're going to discuss that just a little bit. You might get triggered. It's okay though. And we're going to start things off with. Tommy Loren tweeting about handouts and how funny that whole situation is. But I want to let you know that I would really appreciate it if you would go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review on this show, on Connor Wanders. And if you're digging this content, there's a couple things you can do. You can go find me. Just go to the link in the show notes of this show. So just scroll down from the show. that you're watch, If you're on Apple Podcasts, just scroll right on down. Hit the link that goes to my YouTube channel. And you'll be able to see all the clips that we're playing on the show, as well as other content that doesn't really make it to the show. So there's a lot more there. I would really appreciate it if you would head over there, subscribe, turn on those post notifications, and um, you can share those videos as well. Send them them to your parents. Your parents are the kind of people who need this stuff, probably. Just (laughs) start arguments. Man, you know what's funny? I think this idea that you're not supposed to talk about politics and religion at the dinner table is horseshit. What else are we going to talk about? When I go home with and, and, and see my family, when I talk to my family, I enjoy political debates. Now, I also enjoy giving them a hard time about Christianity, which I think is really unfair on my end. But, you know, that's my own little thing. But I think that have these discussions at the dinner table. We've been I've been opening up these discussions whenever I've, been, I've seen people throughout this quarantine. And it's been really fun. And this one thing that quarantine has done is brought this all into our, our purview in a way that requires us to think about it. It requires us to really dig in and see what the hell is going on and try and ask ourselves real serious questions, which is great. I think that's fantastic. Huh. So that being said, I don't think I have any other announcements for you. What do we got? Oh, I've got a great podcast on my other show, The Realness, coming up. Recording that tomorrow. It'll be out next week with Sal DeStefano from um, from Mind Pump. Now, Sal and I are ov- obviously very opinionated guys. If you don't know Sal, he has strong opinions. Also, a very well educated guy. So, we're going to talk. We disagree on politics, and I think this is one of the things that's really going to move forward 
as far as um, as how the how the content gets created. But I really enjoy having discussions with people that I disagree with, and I think that what we'll find in that conversation, what I hope that we find in that conversation with Sal, is that there's actually more common ground than 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 we think. So interesting, fun, fun conversation is going to be had. And it may be frustrating. I don't know. We'll see. We've definitely argued before, but we, uh, <laughs> we have quite the, quite the internet, uh, banter going on, which has been super, super fun. But with that, let's go ahead and jump into the state of things. All right, the state of things. Tommy Loren, as promised, had an aggressive tweet. Now, Tommy Loren uh, is a Fox News show host of, I think she's called the final word. I don't know. She fits that that uh, that very typical Fox News blonde, white, loudmouth kind of characteristic. But it's it's it, she has this these uh, you know these typical Fox News strong takes, and she says. This is her tweet. To the pompous and self-righteous a-holes who are still trying to twist this, the desire to reopen America has nothing to do with wanting to go to the bar or party. It's about people being able to get back to work and make the living, make a living for themselves and their families. And Marianne Williamson claps back and says, that's why people should get direct cash relief. Coming at them. And then Tommy Loren says this. No, that's why people should get back to work. This country wasn't built on handouts, and I'm so sick of Democrats trying to push it. You can be free or you can be dependent on the government, but you can't be both. Huh. Huh. Interesting take, Tommy Loren. Now, here's the thing. This is interesting. This, this, this whole take is interesting, and I think... This idea to reopen America, and I think that this transcends. This is actually uh, less partisan than we than we've been led to believe. the The belief that reopening is a good idea. I am actually lean. I lean way more on the reopening argument than I do on the keeping things locked down argument. But that comes at a cost, and I think that that's a really uncomfortable truth. Is it's going to come at a cost? Like people are going to die. It is what it is. It's it's unfortunate and it's it's sad. But these things can both be true, right? We need to be cautious. We do need uh, direct relief, and people need to get back to work. But here's the statement that really trips me out, and this is what I want to get into. She says, no, that's how people should get back to work. This country wasn't built on handouts. Remember that. This country wasn't built on handouts, and I'm so sick of Democrats trying to push it. You can be free or you can be dependent on the government, but you can't be both. Now, I want to break into this idea. And this is a very Republican, this is a Republican talking point that this country wasn't built on handouts. That is selective history. That is a very selective way to look at the history of the United States. Because if you think about what really put this 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 country together, the, the land that we have our cities on across this entire country at one point in time, not long ago, it was a few hundred years ago, what is that, five, six lifetimes ago, 
that wasn't ours. And we didn't pay for it. We didn't buy it. It wasn't an exchange. It was stolen. It was stolen from the people who were here before us. Native Americans got fucking hosed in the, in the name of westward expansion and manifest destiny. That is a, a ginormous part of our American history that gets edited out consistently. Not to mention what came soon after, which is slavery. By definition, is free labor. It's a handout to the upper class, to the white people who could afford slaves. That's a gigantic part of what created this country. So if you think about, if you want to go all the way back, if you want to talk about making America great again, how far back do you want to go? Do you want to go back to a Holocaust-level ex- uh, uh, event in westward expansion that we love to just sugarcoat and, and think that, that, the, that the pilgrims came over here and had fuck, broke bread with the Native Americans and everything was hunky-dory? That's what we tell our kids anyways. Or do you want to start whenever the vast majority of African Americans in this country who didn't really want to be here, didn't choose to be here, were working and being treated like absolute shit for tobacco and cotton crops? Is that, is that where, do you want to go there? So to, 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 to say that the fucking country wasn't built on handouts, excuse the fuck out of me, lady. Excuse me, What? Are you serious? I mean, I grew up in Texas, right? And we love to talk about the Alamo and Davy Crockett. We did these these history lessons when we were a kid, and we had like pioneer days and these whole things. It was really fun, actually. Really fun. Cool to hear about these stories, that, which have kind of become myth at this point. But really, the Alamo is this, this kind of Texas tale of, of perseverance. But really, we just stole land from the fucking Mexicans. And that's how shit goes. That's how borders are created. But we don't have to get it twisted. Let's call it what it is. This country was built on stealing. Stealing labor, stealing land that we decided that we had the right to do. Now, not that there shouldn't be pride in America. What America has become is pretty fantastic. And I'm proud to be an American. But I also can, I can be proud of being an American and also hold the understanding that this country was built on atrocities like many other countries as well. It's, it's really, it, it, this, this selective editing of history does no one any favors. And to say something that sounds good, it sounds good, this country wasn't built on, on handouts, it was built on the hardworking, whatever. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, there's more to it than that. That's a reductionist rally cry from the right that doesn't really hold water at all. So why don't we do this? Why don't we honestly educate the future of our, of our country on what actually happens when power is left unchecked, when people are, are manipulated and taken advantage of? What actually happened when we decided we want to, wanted to expand from the East Coast to the West Coast and nothing was going to get in our way? The, the, the slave labor, and in thinking about Asian Americans early in the, in the in Westward expansion were practically slaves as well. We're going to get into more of that later, but... This is an interesting talking point that I could not leave alone. This country wasn't built on handouts. I mean, and one of the things too, these handouts, this cash relief, these handouts that we're talking about, 
That's our money. That's our tax money coming back our way. So are tax cuts for the wealthy handouts? I, I, I think so. I think those kind of fall in the same category. Is is what they're pushing now, what the Republicans are pushing now with this with this um this cutting taxes on capital gains, isn't that kind of a handout? To a certain class of people, though. Let's not forget. And I think that classism is much more of a problem in this country than racism. And racism just gets dangled in front of our faces so that we just keep distracting ourselves and punching each other in the face laterally when instead of looking up and realizing that the class system is what is a problem. That's my opinion. But to think that this country wasn't built on handouts is a fucking lie. It's selective history. And even why I think this whole mantra of making America great again is so silly. It's like, well, what point do you want to go back to? Do you want to go back to when Reagan, who these people love to stroke off, when Reagan was, uh, w- was making marijuana or Nixon or who are the f- these, these fucking people who had this anti-drug agenda, made marijuana a schedule one drug to oppress hippies and black people? Is that great? Was that a great thing that we did? How about how about MK Ultra? That was what the sixties, the fifties, and the sixties. We were giving people LSD. The government, the CIA, was giving people LSD without their consent to try and create a a, a Manchurian candidate that would that would do the bidding without moral without a moral compass of the government would do the bidding of the government. Without a moral compass, and and we could manipulate them to forget that they even did it. Doing some Jason Bourne type shit, we forget that this is all a part of our history, and it's all a valid part of our history. So, so this idea that America wasn't built on handouts is is silly. It was built on handouts and hard work. It was built on stealing and hard work. It was built on nefarious actions of a few and the hard work of many. But to think that. The working class people of this country don't deserve a chance to maintain some kind of respectful lifestyle during a pandemic. But we're going to fix the problem with capital gains tax cuts. Like how many working class people are really concerned about their capital gains tax? How many? Really? I, I, would, I, would, I would venture to say it's, it's, in, it's below 5%. So let's just be clear with where the handouts are going, especially when you're discussing this from the right. Something worth thinking about. But the idea, the the appropriate statement there is, this country was built on handouts, stealing, and hard work. Really. And you can still be proud to be an American. Because that's not where we're at necessarily right now. But the government needs to be in check. The ruling class needs to be in check. Interesting stuff here. Interesting stuff. All right, moving on. Now, this is really, I'm so glad these videos got taken down, but now they're back. They're back up. I think other people posted them, but you're gonna, we're going to play the, these to the, their entirety. And I might jump in here a little bit, but I'm going to try and let them play this a little bit longer. But I think this, this stance from a police officer is... Really, really good. His name is Matt Orgorist. Agorist. Matt Agorist. I can't say that name very well. Now he was he's a he's a honorably discharged veteran. Whether he's a Marine. 
and former intelligence operator directly tasked by the NSA. He's a, he's, this guy knows his shit. He's been around it. He's seen some things. And that's one thing I think is really helpful about this guy. He's been overseas. He's seen, he's seen real oppression. He's seen, he's seen authoritarian, authoritarian, God damn, I can't even talk. I'm riled up now because of Tom Loren. He's seen authoritative leaders really damage a society. So let's see what he has to say. As a police officer, I'm compelled to make this video. I've been in law enforcement for 10 years and I'm speaking to my peers, other fellow officers, people in any kind of law enforcement position. Um, I've seen officers nationwide enforcing tyrannical orders against the people. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's the minority of officers, but I'm not sure anymore because every time I turn on the television, every time I turn, I look to the internet, I'm seeing people arrested or cited for going to church, for traveling on the roadways, for going surfing, opening their businesses, going to the park with their families, um, or doing nails out of their, out of their own house, using their own house as a place of business and have an undercover agents go there and arrest them and charge them with, with what? With a crime? I don't, I don't know what crime people are committing by doing nails in their own house. Well said. But we're seeing this more and more and more. And uh, we need to start looking at ourselves as officers and thinking, is what I'm doing right? Now, I want to remind you that regardless of where you stand on the coronavirus, we don't have the authority to do those things to people just because a mayor or a governor tells you otherwise. Uh, I don't care if it's your sergeant or your chief of police. Get we em. don't get to violate people's constitutional rights because somebody in our chain of command tells us otherwise. It's not how this country works. Um, those are de facto arrests. You know, we're violating people's rights and, and, and taking money from them or even worse, arresting them and depriving them of their freedom when they are exercising their constitutional rights. So let's, let's talk about that. Um, let's, let's read something right here off of the Declaration of Independence. Okay. All men are created equal. Among these, we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their power from the consent of the governed, meaning their, our power, and any government official's power is derived from the people. Yep. Okay? We don't hold power over our citizens. That's, it's... It's contradictory to everything that our country stands for. And, and this is what I'm seeing. First Amendment rights, telling people they can't go to church, freedom of religion, okay? Telling people they can't protest, freedom of assembly. Um, Fourth Amendment violations, illegal traffic stops to check for papers. What are you, the Gestapo? Is this 1930s Nazi Germany? You don't get to stop Ooh. people unless you have reasonable suspicion or probable cause that they have committed a crime. And mm -hmm. I know people that are, have personally been stopped 
saying we want to see papers showing that you're essential. That is not how our job works, okay? What really has been pissing me off lately is the fact that these officers that are going out here and, and, and enforcing these tyrannical orders, what they're doing is they're making my job and my safety, or, or they're putting my job and my safety at risk. Yep. Because what you're doing is you're widening the gap between public trust oh, and law yes. enforcement officers. And and Huge. what that's going to do is it's going to, I mean, look at, look at what's happened to law enforcement in the last 10 years. Less and less public trust, and more often than not, that is a result of isolated incidents that get blown out of proportion. They're not isolated anymore. They're happening every single day. And the thing that I want you guys to realize is that our power that, that we hold as law enforcement officers, it's nothing more than a facade. It's a badge and a gun. And people, you don't realize if you haven't lived Damn. in anarchy, if you haven't seen combat, Damn. things can be stripped from people in a heartbeat. And, and that's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that these actions are going to wake a sleeping giant, i.e. the American people. Okay? They are going to be put in a position where they won't have their rights trampled anymore. And us as law enforcement officers, we'll, we'll have our ability to enforce the law stripped from us in about 10 minutes. Okay? I, I, don't, I think what is going to happen if this continues is we're going to see bloodshed in the streets. Okay? I don't want to see bloodshed in the streets on either side of this coin. I don't want to see fellow officers get injured or killed, and I certainly don't want to see citizens get injured or killed. And I promise you, most of you out there doing these 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 tyrannical acts against our citizens, you're not ready for combat. You're not <laughs> mentally or physically ready for combat in the first place. I promise you, you don't want to go through that, and I Ooh, hope man. I never have to go through that again. Um. You know, you don't get to just say, well, I'm doing this because I was told to do so, or I'm following orders, or I need to keep this job. Guess what? I need to keep this job more than anybody. I have three young children. I have two houses. Like, I have the same sob story that the rest of you guys have, but my personal choices and my living arrangements, no matter what they are, don't allow me to trample on people's rights. Oh, that's values right there. And I don't understand why that Fuck concept yeah. is so hard for, for people to understand. Listen, you need to stand up for what's right. You need to, if, if, you're, if you're part of a department or an agency that is asking people or asking their officers or their deputies to impose on people's rights and infringe on their, their, their freedoms, you need to step up and say, no, that's not me. That's not what I signed up for and that's going against my oath. And if that costs you your job, so be it. At least Ooh. you'll be able to look at yourself in the mirror at night. I've already expressed this to my department. And, and luckily for me, I come from a department that I feel like my chain of command shares my view, but I don't care what department you're part of or what your chain of command thinks. You don't get to trample on people's liberty. And so, you know, as a special operations veteran, I've fought on the streets of Iraq for 
under the US government's guise of freedom. And I'm telling you what, the American people are going to be, they are, you are gonna wake a sleeping giant and they are gonna fight 10 times harder for their freedom on their soil than anything you've ever seen before. And if that's something you're willing to face, then, then keep trampling on people's rights. But I promise you, the American spirit of defiance is going to rise again and it's gonna be a big problem for our country. So I'll leave you with this, something that I learned as a, an E-nothing in the army. No matter what situation you're put in, if you look inside yourself and ask yourself one question, am I doing the right thing? You ask yourself that, you know the answer. And no amount of money or no order or law or anything should be able to make you go against doing the right thing. So I'm imploring officers to look inside themselves and ask themselves, is this what I wanna be doing to my citizens? And, and I think the answer is clear. And if we all stand up together, guess what? It'll be a non-issue, no factor, because people and law enforcement will be united like we should be as a police officer. Man, I think we needed that. I absolutely think we needed that. To hear that from, with this, especially as much, I, like he said, isolated incidents that have, that have, that have created a gap between police officers and, and the American public. I think that that's, that's spot on. Um, and I can say that me and me and Matt probably disagree on a whole laundry list of things, but it feels good to look at a, a police officer with that internal compass. Are you doing the right thing? Are you doing the right thing? Does this align with your values and representing his values in a very clear and articulate way and criticizing those that that <laughs> that are going to give somebody a ticket for trying to to keep themselves going by doing nails out of their house like that was a real thing two women were doing nails out of their house and they got a, a sting operation undercover officers found these these women and I think they got charged five hundred dollars a piece I mean, what the fuck are we doing here? Now I understand there are orders at place, in place, but it, you know, this is something that I feel really needs to be heard, really needs to be understood. And and even outside of a pandemic, this is the kind of attitude that I would I would hope most police officers have. But I want to share. We talked about this last week, but I want to share where he was, where he's at now. And that video was released a couple of weeks ago. It's been a pretty interesting couple of weeks for this guy. Um, but let's let's give you the update right now. Hey, what's up, guys? So I just kind of wanted to take a couple minutes, get everybody caught up to speed on what's going on in my life. I've been getting a lot of questions and uh, figured I'd just make a second video and, and answer some of the things that I've been receiving. I first wanted to say I'm humbled by the response that my video got. It's been viewed millions and millions of times. People all over the country have been calling me, texting me, sending me emails, comments, and uh, the overwhelming majority of it, of it has been positive. And so I think that's pretty cool because my whole thought process on making that video was trying to bridge the gap between law enforcement and the public. And I've seen both sides with open arms willing to embrace that. And I think that's a step in the right direction. Love it. Love so that's it. pretty cool. 
One thing that I've seen come up over and over in the comments and I've been an email sent to me is, are you going to get in trouble? What, what happened to you? Or is there any discipline being, being, uh, or any discipline taking place? And so I figured I'd, I'd take a chance and give you a little synopsis of the last three days of my life after posting that video. Um, so I posted the video on Tuesday, was it May 5th? And it, it took pretty, you know, it took a day or two before it really started getting a lot of traction. But the next morning when I woke up on the 6th, it was only, I think it was only at a few thousand views. And I had received a message from my command saying, wow, Greg, what a powerful message. We agree with that 100%, well done. And that was actually a relief for me because I was like, great, you know, I know that it's risky putting something out like that, but I felt like it was so grounded in integrity and liberty that no one would have an issue with it. So that was, that was a relief. And then fast forward three hours later, I get another phone call from my command and it said, hey, hey Greg, the video's up to 400,000 views. It's time to pull the plug on this thing. And I immediately, it, it kind of caught me off guard because I said, why would, why would we want to pull the plug on something that was already acknowledged as a good and powerful message from one law enforcement officer to others? And uh, I said, yeah, that doesn't really make sense to me. I think maybe we should embrace this message and we should share this with other officers. And he said, listen, you know, it's not up to me. I have been directed to tell you to take the video down and I need to know if you're gonna take the video down. And I, I said, no, I can't take the video down. Because if you listen to my first video, the whole message that I was trying to share with people and impart on them is if you believe in something in your heart, you have to stand by that conviction, even if it costs you everything. And like I said last time, I have three little kids. I have this house, I have another house. I cannot afford to lose my job. But after putting that message out there and sharing that with America, and it was so well received, I can't then just say, even though that's what I believe, I'm gonna take a step back, I'm gonna retract my words, and I'm gonna allow my command to prevent me from sharing my heart and my truth. So much I respect. I said, so with that, with so that in mind, respect. sir, I can't take the video down. And, uh, you know, I didn't know where this was gonna go, and, I immediately started thinking about what are they gonna try and gig me on? You know, what did I do wrong? What policy did I violate? And uh, I got called back a couple hours later and by this time it was skyrocketing. Everyone in the agency was seeing it. Cops from when I was a, an officer down in Los Angeles, they were contacting me. I got a call and it said, listen, the video needs to be taken down right now and you need to accept a letter of reprimand or we're gonna take a very different approach to this if you say no Oof. again. Damn. Well, I'd already put myself on that hill and I had, to, I had to be willing to die on that hill. They said they determined the video was a violation of policy and uh, that if I wouldn't take it down, that allegations would be made against me and so on and so on. And so I told them, no, I'm not gonna take it down. You do what you need to do but the principle of it is rooted in truth and it was a positive message that was received by millions and millions of people. If you want me to take it down, I have to, I have to respectfully refuse. And it was interesting because 
they kept citing different policies, you know, like, oh, it was the, the social media policy or some of your equipment may have been identifiable. And that kind of seemed like a moot point to me. And it was strange because why was the message okay at 5 a.m.? And then three hours later, there was a problem with it. And so I was later contacted by the chief of police. He's someone that I have great respect for. He's a good man to work for. And he's the one that shot me straight. And he said, Greg, if you openly defy your governor, you can't be a police officer in the state of Washington. And uh, I told him, I said, you know what? I can respect that. And if I were in your office, I would shake your hand and respectfully disagree and say, maybe I'm not meant to be a police officer in the state of Washington then. And, and here's my thoughts on that, okay? You have to do your research. You have to figure out what your true north is, what your truth is, and where you stand on issues. For me personally, I, I believe that the Constitution supersedes all other documents, all other laws. There's case law supporting that. If you look at Marbury versus Madison, 1803, it says any laws, any future laws created that are repugnant, meaning in conflict with the Constitution, are null and void. So when I look at how I feel comfortable enforcing the law, and I see people exercising constitutional rights, it doesn't matter if there's different executive orders, requests from mayors, requests from governors. For, to me, the Constitution supersedes that, and I'm gonna stand with the people. Well, unfortunately, you know, higher up in all agencies, there's a political game being played, and now I am on a administrative leave status pending termination. I was told by both the agency well, and the man. union that I was asked to take it down and I refused. So that's refusing a direct order. It's an insubordination charge and it will result in me ultimately being let go from the agency. And I said, you know what, if that's what you guys have to do, if, if that video is so bad that you want to take my career from me and you want to leave my, you know, like pot potentially take my ability away to provide for my family because of that video, do it. Because I'm gonna stand by my convictions, just like I said in my last video. Um, so yeah, it's weird, you know, how fast your life can change in a week. It's, uh, it's something that I never thought would happen. I never thought that I would make a video that would resonate with millions of people. But you know, my head is held high. I. Uh, I'm not intimidated or upset by how this played out. Like I said in my last video, man, I fought in the streets of Ramadi during 04 and 05. I came to terms long ago that my convictions and my beliefs may cost me everything up into my life. And even though it's 15 years later and I'm a police officer in Seattle, Washington, that truth still remains for me. So I don't have an option to back down or feel sorry for myself or give in and say, you know what, I got kids and I think I'm just gonna take the letter. No, if they wanna do me like this for standing up for liberty, they can do that. Uh, I'll leave you guys with this. Um, you know, it's on to the new adventure for me. I've been, I've been doing different things my whole life and uh, I'm actually excited to tell you the truth. Uh, if you know of anyone accepting resumes, hit me up because I might need it in the near future. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've always wanted to circumnavigate the globe on a sailboat. 
So maybe it's time to chase that dream. Anyways, I appreciate all the support, guys. Take care. All right, I want to apologize really quick. I, I, I read off the wrong name. His name is Greg Anderson. My bad. Um, but yeah, I think that there's something, wh- whatever side of the aisle you fall on as far as your political views are concerned, there's something to be admired about this man's um, integrity and his, his real clarity on his values. It's... It's, it's, it's sad to see how a man like this can get let go from his job for expressing his views when it's so clear that the people the, the, the people that matter, the American public, the ones that, that give this man authority, resonate with what he has to say. So for this guy to be fired for this... Come on, dude. And clearly they don't understand how the fucking internet works. Because once that video is out there and it's viral, it's out there. It's not going anywhere. If he deletes it, it doesn't matter. It's still there. It's still gonna get it's, it's even gonna it's gonna make everything look worse if he deletes it. So one, a fundamental misunderstanding of how content is delivered to the world. And two, this guy shouldn't have been fucking fired. Like, come on. Is he disagrees with the governor's orders and he, he and he states facts? And he's anchored in the Constitution? I mean, great. Great. But I really wanted to share both those videos back to back. I think it's worth sharing. I think it's worth hearing. I think it's worth understanding where this man is coming from. And I respect the fuck out of his out of his views. Not much else to say about that. He did a really good job of doing it himself. Fantastic. Now let's move on to something fun. I guess, I guess fun. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's a new Trump ad out. A new Trump ad is circulating and it is, it's something. It is something. Let's check it out. Welcome, Hillary. It's great to have you here. I am thrilled uh, to be part of your campaign to not only endorse you, but to help highlight a lot of the issues that are at stake, the issues that are at stake. A former U.S. Senate employee has come forward alleging former Vice President Joe Biden sexually assaulted him. His hands were on me and underneath my clothes. You have a right to be believed. Do you? We're with you. Do we value really? women? Do we believe women? Women huh. should be believed. We believe women. <laughs> I'm very disappointed that there are those who continue to not believe women who come forward. It is not easy, but they should be believed. She is putting herself out there knowing that they're going to try and excoriate her. And she has the courage to come forward. She has nothing to gain. So what does she have to gain? I stand with survivors. <laughs> the woman should be given the benefit of the doubt. These really? Old, by the way, mm-hmm. are not protecting women. Show the kind of compassion and caring that we need from our president, and which Joe Biden has been exemplifying throughout his entire life. Look, I want to thank you. everybody. I want oh, to thank oh, get it out for joining us in this conversation today. Oh man! Oh man! <laughs> That's what we have to look forward to. Just just getting creepy Joe Biden 
reinforced by the Trump campaign. And both sides are putting out ads that are just, it's just, this is going to be an attack ad year. It's going to be an attack ad year. But the thing about it is this dude's creepy as fuck. I mean, there was a compilation and I'll probably play it next week of him just like, it was Tara Reed's allegations over a montage of him just being so inappropriate, so creepy, so weird. So it's, God, what are we going to do with this guy? This is the best. This motherfucker is the best that the Democratic Party can come up with. I just have a hard time believing that. Like literally anybody else on the stage. This is their antidote to Bernie Sanders. If you want to tell me that Joe Biden is a better candidate for president than Bernie Sanders... Because here's the thing, I, I try to think about this. Like, what if, what if Bernie Sanders was a candidate? What, what would the framework, what would the the narrative look like? They call him a communist, and they'd say that he went to he went to Russia on his honeymoon, and yada yada yada. It's the same song and dance. Bernie's heard that his whole career. But you can't say he sexually assaulted anybody. You see Bernie holding somebody up against a wall and throwing a throwing a, throwing their hand up their someone's skirt. Come on, man. No, but you got this guy, this guy can't get his words out, is in some kind of cognitive decline and we've got it. We've got to deal with that and we've got to watch this. We've got to try and watch these ads go back and forth with two incompetent fucktards going ahead and just saying, all right, well, we're just going to watch them fight each other and talk about how nasty the other one is, right? When there's so much shady shit that went on in Biden's, in Biden's world. Not to mention this whole Obamagate thing that's coming that's coming to light. I mean, and even being an, a, a left leaning independent, there was a lot of shady shit that was going on in the Obama administration. A lot of shady shit. And I mean, <laughs> these corporate Democrats, dude. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing here? So we've got to watch this till November is just, oh man, we got to watch a guy who can't, who can't really seem to get it together and even complete a coherent sentence. Got to watch his team attack a chauvinistic douchebag. <laughs> For the next several months of our lives. All while coronavirus is happening. What does the world come to? Can we not get it? Can the Democrats just not do? Can they not do better? Could they not do better than this? This is so easy. I mean, his son got over a billion dollars from the Chinese government as a loan for a business that he had no right to be on the board of. This is pure corporate politi- politicians. Pure corporate politics. So yeah, there's that. Good stuff. Good stuff. Oh man, what a trip. I'm going to keep these ads rolling. The ads are fun. The ads are fun. But here, let's look, let's look at this real quick. Lee Fang, the journalist for The Intercept, uh, they broke a story about a lobbying group that uh, lobbied for <laughs> lobbied for stimulus money. So, cigar, 
Let's call him Cigar. Sagar from Rising on the Hill. Great show. Check it out. Um, went on Tucker Carlson. And now Lee Fang wrote this in a very, a very, very entertaining way. Said so we broke this story last week that the lobbying group that represents lobbyists asked for a bailout of corporate lobbyists, a provision now in the Democratic stimulus bill. Of course, CNN and MSNBC did not cover it. Only Fox News' Tucker Carlson and Rising covered this as well. Because this Democratic stimulus bill is just, it's, it's shit. It's a pile of shit. Let's hear what these guys have to say about it. Paycheck Protection Program, because without us, you guys won't be able to write legislation. It's the most circular logic that possibly exists. <laughs> and in a way, it's almost, I'm ex I respect the honesty. They literally say, you have to bail us out because we are the people that write the legislation for you. It's one of the <laughs> most wait, naked- Wait, so lobbyists yes. sent out a press release and said, hey, Congress, you have no idea how the government right. works without us, you're screwed? Wow. Yeah, lobbyists for lobbyists. It's the association for associations is putting out this statement. <sighs> to, I mean, it's one of the most naked money grabs that we can possibly see. All the while, Bo I mean, there are literally millions of American citizens put out of work by their own government. Millions of, um, of small businesses <laughs> put out of work, and they are not seeing the same level of concierge service from Nancy Pelosi and these Democrats that lobbyists for the cannabis industry and for others are seeing right now. You, I mean, it's just unbelievable. I thought my mind could not be blown more, but you have proven that wrong. Sagar and Teddy, thank you so much for that. Thanks, Tucker. Amazing. Well, the science says pretty... Wow. Uh, I just don't... I just don't... There's justification for getting a fucking bailout for lobbyists is that you can't write legislation without lobbyists for corporate interest groups? What the fuck? What the fuck is this? What are we doing here? That's the priority of the Democrats? They got to take care of their fucking lobbyists? I mean, I didn't even know there was a, a lobby group, a lobbying group that represented lobbyists. Who the, how the fuck do you get that job? Sagar said it very well. Circular logic. What in the actual fuck is happening right now? What in the actual fuck? It's like, not only are the corporate interests the number one priority, the tools of the corporate interest to make sure that those interests are served are a close second. And who pays the real price for this? Who pays the real price? American people. And MSNBC and CNN can't cover it? Like this isn't fucking news? What? They're too busy following a reality show president and, 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 and blowing up everything that could be misconstrued at all? Like, they've got fucking airtime for something like this. This is actually important. But no. God forbid that CNN and MSNBC do something that contradicts the corporate interest. This is what we have to deal with. Well, it would be really nice. It would be really fucking nice if mainstream media would give us some actual, accurate information. But they can't even do that. Fox News is guilty of this as any of them. They started this whole fucking trend. But 
That's what we need right now. We need accurate information on actually covering what the fuck is happening right now so we can really make decisions. It's like we've relied in these in these media outlets to help us make informed decisions, and, they, and they've manipulated us into deciding what they need us to decide. That's the world we live in. A lobbying group for lobbyists lobbied for stimulus money for lobbyists. And the Democrats put that in their stimulus bill. Jesus fucking Christ. Wow. Wow. Now the last thing we're going to jump into on the state of things is a little, a little conversation around white privilege. Let's, uh, this is with Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk is a right wing commentator, speaker, all that kind of fun stuff. Don't like him very much, but eh, he's got points and uh, we're going to have a conversation about it. I've been really frequently getting the question of, not question, but statements saying like, you're white, you're privileged, you're Christian. How can you argue these things when you don't understand what like a, an oppressed individual like, you know, is going through? So what would you do to debate them against that issue? Thank you for your question. So white privilege is a myth and a lie and should be completely destroyed. It's rooted in racism. It is a racist idea. Is it though? It is a racist idea. Is the it best though? people in America are not white people. They're Asian Americans and Indian Americans. So why don't they ever talk about Asian American privilege? Asian Americans were widely discriminated against in the 1940s and 50s. We treated them horribly and put them in internment camps. Then, th then through a series of decades of making good choices, they've now become the richest per capita subracial group in America. I never hear about Asian American privilege. I never hear about people getting so upset that all the Asian Americans are getting the PhDs or the degrees or all the good jobs in California, yet they're trying to target white people. Here comes the basis of it. If, you're if they're trying to balkanize this country and break us into different subracial groups, that is the definition of racism. I have the definition of racism as, you know what it is? It's trying to pre-describe a preference or prejudice upon a certain group of people based on their skin color. They say, oh, you don't understand me because you're a white, privileged Christian. Well, isn't that exactly what the definition of racism is? Isn't that them trying to put a prejudice upon you just because you look differently than them? They're trying to discredit good ideas and good arguments just because you're white. And that's ridiculous. That's racist and that should be refuted every single time. And by the way, if they want to talk about numbers and facts and statistics, that's fine. But you're not any less right and you're not any less correct just because you're a white person or you're a black person. Truth transcends color. So thank you. All right. So let's, let's discuss this a little bit. Here's the deal. Here's the deal, Jack. White privilege is not a myth, and I don't think it's racist if used appropriately. What he's talking about and what this woman were, was asking about is when people try to discredit you, they try and play a trump card and like, well, you just don't understand because you're white and you're Christian and you haven't been oppressed. And he brings up the Asian American argument, but he kind of paints himself into corner with his Asian American argument because they do have that, that time not long ago when they were put in internment camps, right? So that's one of those things that the, the, the issue with white privilege is that we as a white, as a race, I guess, fucking haven't had the same type of oppression in our lineage, right? So there's not a lot of 
systemic racism against white people in the same way that there are with black people. You don't see the same scale of poverty needing to resort to crime to fucking get by. Like these are all things that, that white people don't necessarily understand and have a, have historically have a hard time empathizing with. Okay. So that's one piece of it. There hasn't been this large scale oppression of white Christians. Now Christians have oppressed each other over history of over, over, over the time as things have changed and Christianity has changed and, and there have been all out wars, but that really hasn't been in America. It's not necessarily an American thing, but even white privilege can be kind of misleading because a lot of Jews are white and that they don't really fall into that category. I mean, obviously we know what their history has been like and they've also done very well for themselves financially. This is not just a financial game here, right? There's a, there's a difference in, in, in understanding how you're perceived and Malcolm Gladwell does a great job of explaining this in two books that he's written. One is called talking to strangers and one is called blink and how we make snap judgments essentially that are unconscious, right? So Charlie Kirk is a, is a normal looking white dude. If he walks up to my car at night be like, what the fuck does this guy need? I don't think I'd be scared of the dude or have any kind of idea of like what's going to happen. But if a certain ethnic group looking a certain way walks up to your car at night, like you have a, a, a viscerally different reaction. That's to be considered. That's not really easy to measure with data. That's an emotional response. That's an unconscious emotional response. So there's something to be said for that. That has weight. That has value. But I think one of the things that the left needs to take responsibility for is they've they've weaponized this this tag of white privilege and then used it against really solid arguments and made themselves look fucking stupid. So when you take white privilege and weaponize it, you then create this easy dismissal, which we, the information he states is accurate. And he's got very valid points. Right? He takes a little too far, in my opinion, but that's me. But when you weaponize something and, and, and use almost hyperbole to, to, to leverage it, you create these massive holes in your argument and make yourself look foolish. I mean, I've been attacked for my opinions because I'm white, and I'm like, well, what does that change my view? I'm also really open to being wrong about things. That's empathy, right? So it's interesting to see how, how the left has created this narrative that white privilege really really belittles, they use white privilege as a, as a label to belittle opinions of people that they don't agree with on the far left has just left themselves open and vulnerable. They do this over and over again. They overreach. They overreach with these things when they say, okay, it is, this is a thing. You know, I'm sitting here saying white privilege exists. It's a thing. You get treated differently. You get seen differently. The assumptions made about you are much different and usually in your benefit, right, than, than a black man in the same situation. It just is what it is. And there is, if you don't believe that there is systemic racism in this country, right? And that's not overt racism. That's not people being racist, but there is systemic racism in the way that our, that our government is set up. And, and African-Americans, generally speaking, bear the brunt of that in a lot of ways. So it's something to be considered to, to really look at how, how overextending your argument and taking something that makes sense and pushing it way too far exposes you to people like Charlie Kirk or people like Ben Shapiro 
to be able to easily, these are very intelligent guys, poke holes in your argument because it just doesn't fucking hold up. And this is the issue with progressive. This is why I have a hard time be, even calling myself a progressive, even though I align with them on so many things like education and healthcare. Like, that's where I'm at. But I don't think that using quote-unquote white privilege to belittle people is, is, a, is a, a healthy response to anything. I don't think it's, it's, it's not the kind of discourse that we need. Right? This is why I'm having people like Sal Stefano on my show so we can disagree with respect for one another and see where the common ground is. And we so all too often don't want to see where the common ground is. You know, I think you, you it, to say that, and also just to use money as your only as your only focus point, and then only use you, you. Then this is what the right does: they'll take data that can fit their narrative and 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 that really makes a lot of sense, and then layer that on top of their argument. To add validity, the left does the same thing, right? The, the 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 right just has more data points in their favor in a lot of times, and that's there's something to be said about that as well, right? The pragmatism on the right, but you did you you basically just compared Asian Americans to everyone else, and yeah, they do. I mean, fuck, they've had to put in Ivy League schools, they've had to put restrictions on the number of Asian Americans they let in, which has been a which has been a, a controversial thing, because. That's the, <laughs> their culture creates people with outstanding fucking work ethic. It's really impressive. And Americans are generally fucking lazy assholes a lot of times, so it kind of makes sense, right? It's funny as fuck, but, but to look at this all and say no white privilege doesn't exist, white privilege, just like anything else, can be used in a racist way to classify a race of people. And I had a good friend of mine, Carl Sona, on on my other show recently, black man. His parents came from uh, Nicaragua, I think. And we had this discussion where you would look at his family. If you just had the, st- the stats, you look at his family and where he came from and my family and where I came from. And you would assume if I said one of these two people, you just put us in the same outfit, same room, sitting there. One of these two people has a dad that's in prison, a and both parents were addicts who left them with his grandparent, with their grandparents, with his grandparents, right? You just gave them that whole detail. And one, one other person, the other, the other person in this room, his parents came from nothing, built a great life for themselves, are very successful, sent this kid to college, all that kind of fun stuff. You would assume that, or a lot of people would assume, if you were to do that, I would love to see the stats on this, that Carl's parents were addicts and one was in prison. That matches the stats, right? And that mine were the ones that came up and had the American dream and all that shit. It's actually the complete opposite. Actually, my dad got released from prison uh, yesterday. So he's not in prison anymore. <laughs> but it's inter- it's an interesting stance to take and say, okay, well, yes, it does exist and. There's so much. It's like a fucking improv class here. Yes and. Yes and. Curiosity bridges the gap between us. And the left has overextended their arguments over and over again and made those that align with them, like myself, feel foolish. Like, I'm a registered Democrat, but I don't really fall in that camp. I'm left-leaning independent. That's where I like to stay. So it's interesting. But with that, with all of that being said, gives you something to, to ponder. But right now, let's, uh, let me give you something to think about.
do love that funky beat. Ooh. It's been a hell of a show. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Something to think about. Free education. Free education. Interesting topic. Hot topic. Not the store, but it is a hot topic. I believe that the higher education system is is broken. I think it is. And the student loan situation is a complete fucking scam, in my opinion. Now, when we look at this and we want free education, right? And, and, and the right, no matter what we want to do with this, right? As independents, progressives, Democrats, wherever you fall in this whole, in this whole game, whatever you want to do with this, that, that, that has to do with providing free education is going to be deemed socialist by those at Fox news, those in the alt right, those in the far right. But I think there's a way to go about this that isn't so make or break, right? There is a level of incrementalism in this that I think if this is actually going to work, could really prove that concept, right? Let's prove the concept before we go ahead and give everybody you know, free college. And I think there's part of this that is a populist idea and a very pro-American idea that I've seen, that I've kind of come up with, and I'm not sure I'm not the only one. But I like this idea that there are certain segments of the workforce that are necessary, understaffed, and well-paying. And I think if we focus our, our attention as advocates for essentially college finance reform, right? The, the, the possibility to get an education in an industry that can, that can move you up socioeconomically if you want to work for it. If we can focus our attention on things that the country desperately needs, especially if we get into a situation where we have a new green deal or green new deal, excuse me, especially if we bring manufacturing back to this country, which seems to be I mean, it's one of the topics that I'm looking at as a primary driver in my decision-making over this 2020 election. Right now, planning on leaving it blank. But if somebody says, hey, we're going to bring jobs back here, these trade agreements, which Biden was very much in favor of, has been kind of a fuckboy for China in the last 10 years. Those kind of, that, that kind of mentality, I believe, works well with the, the, the idea that we could provide trade schools and and college degrees in in fields that are necessary and vital for our economy at little to no cost tuition wise now there's still cost of living expenses going to college is still not free if tuition is free cost of living i mean there's still things you have to pay for it's not going to be uh, cheap but it could be affordable you can get yourself into a level of debt that you get out of in five or six years or maybe 10 years, not 40. So what if we took the approach of instead of saying, hey, we want to give, you know, Sally, the undergrad, uh, free education so she can get her liberal arts degree. 
I don't really feel good about that. I think that the, that that there's a way to look at this and say, okay, two-year trade schools, right? If you want to become a welder, a mechanic, if you want to work on motorcycles and start your own business, if you want to be in a NASCAR pit crew, like it all falls into this trade school bracket. Those people are essential. They those people work on our infrastructure, and a welder can make six figures easy. I mean, it's not easy work. But they're high in demand, highly demanded. And if we move into something like a like more renewable energy, that, that opens up a fuck ton of jobs for metal workers. And there's a lot of people that put it's one of those, it's one of those jobs that requires a relative relative, I want to say an above average intelligence for sure. But really the most important thing is having common sense and being able to work very hard. Right. And if, if that's that's the American dream, right? If you have if you work hard, if you really put yourself out there and if you stay dedicated, stay disciplined, you can have a better life than you started with. And I think that what we're, the really underlying issue around free college is that we want to be able to give people who came from socioeconomic oppression or challenging circumstances, which is a lot of people in this country, a chance, give them a gateway. Right, So I think if you want to go to school to be a teacher, if you want to go to school to be a nurse, if you want to go to any kind of trade school at all, you want to be an electrician, you want to be a mechanic, you want to be a welder, like those things, why don't we just start there? Let's start there and make those jobs free. If you want to get a liberal arts degree or a philosophy degree or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, exercise, sports, science like myself, maybe let's not start with those. Let's not try and blanket this thing. Let's start with things that people that maybe even didn't get good grades in high school, right, that wouldn't even get accepted to a four-year college, can have a way to make a really solid living for themselves. The working class. Let's start there. I don't really want kids that are going to, to Rice or Yale or these other, I don't, I don't really, they're the most privileged people in the world. Right, they're an, they're an elite fraternity of of intellectuals. I have no, I, I'm not concerned with them and their student debt. I really am not. They're going to be able to leverage that degree for the rest of their life. What are, what about people that don't have access to a four year university? Can we give them the opportunity? I'm not saying give them anything for free necessarily, but give them the opportunity to work hard and make something of themselves. Give them a fucking chance. Give them that piece of paper that'll get them in the door. Right? But you still got to go to class. You still got to show up. Still got to do the work. Can we start there? Can we start with, you know what? If you want to be a fucking nurse, government's got you. You want to be a teacher? We got you. We need people like you. And then without teachers being in student, having student loan debt, that amount of money they make means a lot more. You're essentially allowing them to be paid five or six hundred dollars more than not have to put on their student loans because their education was was affordable. So when we talk about free education, let's not try and blanket statement this whole thing. Let's look at this as an opportunity to invest in the economy of our country, to the, to rebuilding our infrastructure. And that those those careers can go so many ways. If you have business savvy and you're creative, you can open up your your motorcycle shop. 
Right? You can build something cool. You can you can become an innovator because you have the education to back yourself back yourself up. And that's going to create so much more for this country. Like that's that in the whole scheme of things, a very small investment into what can be really amazing for us. But I think that the the idea of all public universities being tuition free is a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people, and you got to respect that. Now, the student loan situation, I think one easy easy choice that could be made that the banks were not going to want to going to want to swallow is if you get yourself in trouble with your student loan debt, you should be able to declare bankruptcy. It's not fun. It's not something most of us are going to want to do. It's not what most people who have student loan debt are going to do. But it should be just like any other debt, in my opinion. Should be like any other debt. It's a risk taken on by the institution that decides to, 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 to grant those loans. So when it comes to reforming education, I think we start with the, the, the fields, with the degrees that are going to help the people that we want to help the most. And that's not people like me. That may not be people like you. But think about the people that need it the most, and let's fucking start there. For once, let's start there. For once, let's really focus on the opportunities of the people who don't have them. Because you may have them. You may have had them. You may be moving right through your career, on on path. You may have started your own company. maybe may be fucking killing it. But some people don't have that. Can we focus there first? That's something to think about. Oh, thank you guys so much for hanging out. Be sure to go review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and share it with some friends if you dig it. Share it with your friends, your family, and go find me on YouTube. Links to all that fun stuff are in everything I've got going on. Links to everything, as well as I want you to go follow um, Greg our cop friend from the show, Greg Anderson on Instagram. It's great. It's G R Anderson 33. And I'll link to him in the, uh, in the show notes as well. He's got some good stuff. And as we said, really respect the fuck out of that guy. Thank you so much for standing up for what you believe in brother. Oh man. Good day. Good show. Good times. Dogs are barking upstairs. So we got to go up there and get, uh, get them under control, but appreciate you guys. I'll stay safe out there. Get your minds right. Listen to people that disagree with you. Try to see it from their side. We'll see you all next time.